Welcome to Realty Talk, the show that brings together the country's most authoritative and respected property experts. Follow us on all the socials and subscribe for updates and exclusive offers. Realty Talk is powered by realty.com.au, connecting buyers, sellers and agents differently. Greetings and welcome to Realty Talk, your trusted voice in property, which is now proudly a part of the new and expanded Property Hub your home for property investment insights, inspiration and stories from Australia's top property experts, investors, leaders and analysts, which is all done in collaboration with Apiro Marketing and DM Media, Australia's largest independent podcast network. I'm Bushy Martin from Know How Property Finance, and as interest rates continue to rise, property players are being forced to think and act differently. So this week's guests give you some great options. Arjun Paliwell from Investor Kit kicks things off by revealing his three secret locations where you can still buy undervalued properties around the country despite the ongoing rate rises. As the national rental crisis escalates, politicians are yet again jumping on the bandwagon with some really harebrained ideas. Simon Presley from Propertyology debunks the Greens' latest rental freeze scheme with more positive suggestions on what really needs to be done. And as continued rate rises hit our hip pockets, maintaining our investment commitments can actually be very challenging. Helen Baker from On Your Own Two Feet rounds out the show with great ideas on how to keep your investment plans on track. And before we get into it, make sure you don't miss another episode of Realty Talk by subscribing to Property Hub on your favourite podcast player, where you'll get two powerful episodes of Realty Talk as well as the Get Invested podcast delivered to you each and every week. And make sure you also sign up on the realty.com.au homepage where you'll get a free copy of my award-winning book, Get Invested, for making the effort. We've got some priceless property gems to share, so let's get on with the show. Greetings and welcome. Now, Recent interest rate rises have seen the cash rate increase from its historic temporary low of just 0.1% back up to pre-pandemic levels and beyond, with further rate rises likely in coming months. And if you believe the scaremongering of the mainstream media that revolves around imaginary property markets and quite often misleading median metrics, increasing interest rates have reduced property demand, leading to cooling markets across the country. As an example, CoreLogic's latest home value index concluded that the housing downturn is accelerating as falling values become more widespread, with the national index recording its fourth consecutive monthly decline. Now, hearing this, you may be thinking that the whole country is stepping into a slump, just as it entered a nationwide boom during the pandemic. However, this isn't the case. Quality data shows that property conditions across the country are now just returning to normal after the artificial COVID catalyst, where they're now starting to diversify with some losing pressure, some stabilising and others picking up. So to get a clearer picture on where the property opportunities continue to be in undervalued areas, we're joined again by Arjun Paliwell, the award-winning founder and head of research at at National Data-Driven Buyers Agency, Investigate. So welcome back to the show, Arjun. Thank you, my friend. It's a very interesting topic, this one, with a lot uh, lot to go through. There is, uh, and I love the uh, in-depth research you've done on it. So uh, sort of jumping straight into that, based on your research, 
Where are the undervalued property opportunities despite the ongoing interest rate rises? The three cities that came out of this mix were the two regions in Queensland, one being Rockhampton, Nippon, the other being Townsville, and then traveling all the way across to South Australia for Mount Gambia. So these were three areas that stood out. And what we did do is actually look at them from a perspective of overvalue, undervalue. And how we came to this conclusion was using household income in comparison to interest rates, but not just looking at them you know, with inc income to price, which is the common thing that many analysts do, which is very incorrect, but actually looking at it from an income to repayments, because we don't just buy a property with cash. The main dictator of our ability to keep one is interest rates and repayments. So we wanted to make sure we look at rates today and that too, anticipating some increases. And so in this case, we assumed 5.5% common interest rates out there for many, which is even beyond what you can get today in the threes and the fours for many markets. But with yep. this, these three cities stood out, considering that the income to pay repayments in these uh, regions remain quite affordable. Yeah, awesome. So um, cutting the chase, what, what sort of property prices are we looking at in those three areas then, Arjun? So in Townsville, uh, if we start off with that, the median house price sits just under 400000 but we can see typical, you know, three bed, one baths all the way to four bed, two baths and family suburbs range between that sort of 380k to, to 520k. So still remaining quite affordable. And mm. we did looking into household versus uh, household income versus prices, as well as looking into account interest rates at 30 year terms, 80% loans was that house prices in Townsville were 26% undervalued, even at interest rates of 5.5%. So when you tone it down to 4.5%, there was as much as 41% undervalued. Now, it doesn't mean that household prices immediately grow to these levels. It just means that if they did grow to these levels, people wouldn't be extremely stretched. Yeah, good point. So you, you've covered off on the on that example, uh, can you break down the uh, property values in the other two areas or they're, they're very similar? Yeah, so we've got a more affordable point in Mount Gambia heading towards the mid threes rather than the fours. Much the same with Rockhampton. It's important to note that these are uh, median house prices with many prices ranging above and below. Um, but we commonly find that sort of 350 to 550K offers a very substantial amount of housing choice in these three cities. And their undervalue ranges from 14% all the way up to 41% in Queensland. And then the Mount Gambia ranges from 5% to 17%. So all three remain undervalued um, with healthy amounts, even at stretched interest rates of an extra percent on top to 5.5. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, the, I love your thoughts and a bit off the cuff, I know, but uh, in Southwest, uh, areas of WA, you know, talking around the sort of uh, Bunbury up to sort of Rockingham area, did they come up on the radar at all in terms of uh, undervalue indicators or not? They did to some extent because they carry higher incomes, as you know, in many parts of WA, mm. and the house prices still remain affordable alongside the repayments to service them. Um, in these areas, there are divisions of subregions, some that carry much lower incomes. And as a result, even though prices are cheaper, aren't as undervalued. But yep. these cities did pop up in the map when it came to the undervalued component. In fact, um, with Australia, the regions are, are getting lower and lower. It's important to understand that with a boom that we've just seen, with lagged income data, 
and then of course a rising interest rate environment, it has shifted the equation of how many markets sit in the overvalue versus undervalue. Yep. There are still more markets out there that sit in the overvalue component, but here are some that sit in the undervalue that I that I thought perfectly stood out, not just from a, a affordability point of view, but even just the strengths of their market with all three of these, uh, you know, showing vacancy rates well below one percent. Yeah, very interesting. Yep, there's there's always gold there if you know where to look. So based on your data and research then, uh, do you predict more undervalued areas that are going to crop up or will the so-called property slump continue across most of the country as you see it? I think what's important to note here is that because of the lags we see in income, combined with some of the wage increases that are due to come up, the jobs market that still remains in booming territory, um, it does mean that there are some lags. So I don't feel that more undervalued areas will pop up. We are expecting whilst this interest rate cycle of increases occurs, undervalued markets will actually decrease. So to give you some context, when our interest rates are used at a 4.5% variable, we then see 25% of Australia's housing markets as undervalued. Okay. And then when we take the interest rates up to 5.5%, this drops down to 17%. So as long as interest rates keep going, the number of undervalued markets will shrink. But again, there are many overvalued markets that might have that little bit of a stretch for people's repayments on the, the median scenario, but many people do sit with extremely low debt in current housing debt scenarios. So that does mean that whilst for new people, it doesn't present a, you know, a healthy opportunity, it presents probably more of a challenge for them to get into these overvalued markets for existing households, just because they might be sitting in some overvalued markets doesn't mean they're all rushing to the gates to sell. No, very good point. That's a, a point well made. Look, I uh, really want to thank you for sharing this very interesting information, Arjun. And thanks again for your time on the show today. Thank you. Thanks, Arjun. Well, as you can see, as long as Australians need a roof over their head, there's always opportunity in property because it's never a matter of when to buy property, but it's always a matter of where and what to buy. And if you want to better arm yourself with data to help you find these opportunities, reach out to Arjun and his team at Investikit. .com.au. You're watching Realty Talk, your go-to place for all things property. Property deductions can save you thousands of dollars each year. To make sure you maximise deductions, you need to work with the most experienced quantity surveyor in the country. BMT Tax Depreciation is the leading specialist in the industry. They've completed over 700,000 tax deduction schedules for residential investment and commercial properties Australia-wide. BMT guarantee to find double your fee in the first full financial year deductions. Call BMT on 1300 728 726 today for an obligation-free quote. Greetings and welcome. Now, for quite some time here on Realty Talk, we've been talking about the increasing rental crisis that, that's actually engulfing the nation. And we're doing that alongside highly respected contrarian and true property analyst, Simon Presley. And as recent evidence of this growing rental squeeze uh, emerges over the last 12 months rents have actually soared 9.1 percent across most of our capitals and nearly 11 percent in regional areas according to recent CoreLogic data. Now unfortunately it's not until situations get serious that politicians start jumping on the bandwagon to come up with ill-informed knee-jerk and half-baked schemes and that's exactly what's just happened with the Greens now calling for a nationwide two-year rent freeze. So to dive into this complex rental crisis situation we're joined by Realty Talk favourite Simon Presley, who's the head of research at National Buyers Agency Propertyology. So welcome back to the show, Simon. 
G'day, Bushy. Thank you for having us back. Yeah, great to see you, mate. Uh, now, sort of diving into this subject, uh, how bad is the rental crisis around the country from where you sit? Well, this time two years ago, a few of our reports, we said that we will soon see the single biggest real estate crisis is a word that's overused these days, but this is a serious crisis. So two years ago, we said, we'll see the biggest crisis Australian real estate has seen in our 230 year history. We are now here. Sadly, it's going to get a lot worse. To put some official numbers around it, this country of 25.7 million people, we've got 36,000 properties advertised for rent today. That's it. Um, this time five years ago, we had double that number of properties advertised for rent. So we've got half of what we had five years ago, but we've got an extra 1.2 million people living in this country now, Bushy. So um, those who feel it the most are someone looking to acquire rental accommodation or someone who already has rental accommodation, but the landlord has sold. So if you're a tenant on the move, um, you really have bugger all choices. And sadly, this is not reported in, in numbers, but right throughout Australia, you have um, good tenants with good rental histories, stable incomes. They are sleeping in cars. They are sleeping in caravans. They are sleeping in someone's garage. That's how bad it is. So what? So we've got a town, uh, a, a country with four hundred individual townships. Yep. Roughly half of those have left less than ten thousand people. So let's let's deal with the other what we call cities or townships of substance. Yeah. Of Australia's um, one hundred largest cities and towns, there are only eight of those today that have a vacancy rate greater than one and a half percent. Wow. 92 out of our 100 biggest cities have a vacancy rate of less than one and a half percent. Now, some people might be hearing that number going, that sounds bad. What does that really look like? Imagine a, a, a smaller scale of this. We've got a hundred properties that are rented within this community. Right, um, 100 properties that are owned by investors. So they're available to the rental pool. Yep. A vacancy rate of one and a half percent means one and a half of those properties of those 100 are empty. People might be going, okay, so if we get two families move in, population growth, two families move in, someone's gonna miss out. Yes, but even if we get no population growth, put ourselves in the life of the tenants. We've got a teenager who's just finished high school, wants to go to university. They want to move out of home. They want some independence, right? So they're looking for a property. No population growth, but there's increased rental demand. You've got another family, marriage separation, can't stand each other's guts, can't be under the one roof. We need another property, right? No population growth. We have tenants who say, oh, I've already got a property, but we want something that's bigger. We want something that's close to town. So they're looking to move. You've got someone else who says, we want to get a dog. We want a backyard. So we're looking to move. So people move all the time to be able to, or want to move all the time, to be able to move for every 100 properties that are rental in a rental pool, we need to have at least three of them that are empty to enable that movement. Yes. Yeah, it's a really good call. So given that context, so there's no question there is a, a major rental crisis across the country. Uh, if we now turn to the Greens' recent proposal, what, what's your understanding of, of the Greens' rent freeze proposal and, and what do you think they're trying to fix with it? Yeah, so we're probably up to uh, a dumb, dumb decision by dickheads in high places, number 25,000, which has caused this rental crisis. Um, so what their proposal is to let's freeze rents for two years. And then after that two years, 
let's put a law in place that says rents cannot increase by any more than 2% per annum. So these people clearly don't understand anything about finances, about investing, about asset ownership. If they did, this idea would never enter their head, let alone enter fucking parliament. <laughs> um, but just imagine that. So let's put a freeze on rents. Yeah, okay, great idea. While we're at it, let's put a freeze on insurance. Let's put a freeze on petrol. Let's put a freeze on council rates. Let's put a freeze on parliament, on politicians' wages. Let's just freeze everything. Great idea. Of course, the world doesn't work like that, Bushy. So we can't do that. But hey, let's roll the dice. The problem is the rental crisis has been 100% created by governments, not just the Greens. In fact, the Greens, they're just a voice who put out policies, but their policies don't usually get adopted, right? So it's the other two, it's the red team, the blue team. It's state, federal, and local. Collectively, these bunch of useless human beings have caused this rental crisis. Because rental supply, we go back for 100 years of census data, official government data. For every one of those 100 years, where there are 10 dwellings in a community, three of them have been rented, always. Yep. Now and always. We have just lost our way with how we continue to um, supply extra rental accommodation. When you keep bashing someone over the head with a baseball bat, Eventually they say, I don't want to play this game anymore. It hurts. Yeah. So city councils, state governments and federal governments, Liberal and Labor, have introduced dozens of different policies since the year 2015 that have all caused harm of some kind, financial or asset ownership controls to landlords. So investing to discretionary action, they don't have to do it. You need to create an environment where they feel comfortable to do it. Baseball bats don't make people feel comfortable. So this is why we've got the mess. And the Greens is just the latest layer. The problem is, is these are proposals or policies thinking about the symptom and not the cause. Yeah. So they hear about the tenants where the rents have gone up by a hundred bucks a week and they are true stories, right? Yeah. True stories. Yeah. So we've got empathy for that. But rather than, so what they do with that empathy is to say, that's bad, we can't allow that. Let's hit those landlords up who are charging their hundred bucks a week. The landlord would not be able to charge the extra 100 bucks a week if we had enough rental supply. It's if tenants fun. had lots of choices, lots of properties to pick from, the, the landlord who tries to charge an extra 100 bucks a week, that property is going to sit empty forever and a day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely spot on. And I, I think, uh, uh, you know, it hasn't been since the 1970s that governments on any level were uh, partaking in the supply side of the equation they've washed their hands of it since and and with every decade that passes the the situation gets worse so and it's it's going to take a government with a some balls really to step back into the supply space and really make some meaningful impact there but let, let's 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 just uh take the ridiculous to the extreme and 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 look at if the rental squeeze was implemented what uh what the impact will be so i won't sell um, I won't like the decision if, if the Greens proposal uh, gets through. Um, but like the other decade decisions that have been made, I'll cop it on the chin. And why I won't sell is because investing is a discretionary action. I choose to do it among a few million others because I know that if I don't invest in my future, no other bugger will do it for me. Yep. So life on an age pension and whatever superannuation, you know, is there at the end, at, at, at the end of the ride will not fund the lifestyle that Simon Presley wants to live. So they can keep swinging the baseball bats and I'll keep complaining, but I will always remain focused on investing in my future. Sadly, 
a big, big bunch of other existing investors won't have the drive and the focus that I've described. They will sell because they'll be sick of being hit round the head. And these policies that politicians claim to be implementing to help people will cause the most serious harm. I'm not joking a bit with this next statement, Bushy. Australia is, I reckon, 12 months away, if we're not there already, from being in a situation that we never would have thought we would, we would be in. Yeah. We will be the laughing stock of the world before too long. There will be widespread stories of good people, like I was describing earlier, widespread. I'm talking hundreds of thousands of Australians who will be forced into homelessness, not because they've got a drug problem or not because they've got a mental health problem or the stereotypical, you know, how people wrongly um, picture homeless. I'm talking Bushy and Simon. Yeah. Renting property, but all of a sudden the landlord sold because they've got Jack and they're they're in the street because there is no... That's who will be. So go back to those numbers before. 36,000 dwellings advertised for rent now. Yep. Roughly half of those, this is a rule of thumb, roughly half of those are actually not available. They're still on the internet. Yeah. So they're technically classed as advertised for rent, but the property managers accepted a rental application. So let's call it 20,000, right? We've got 20,000 available for 25.7 million today, right? Yep. Two days ago, three days ago, there was a two-day meeting, a summit in Canberra, discussing how to address Australia's jobs and skilled labour shortage. And in that meeting, they decided to increase our skilled labour overseas migration intake to 200,000 people per year. We can't fit in one person because our existing population are living in the back of a car. And within the next 12 months, we're going to let in 200,000. Rental properties don't fall out of the sky, my friend. Where are we all going to live? Yeah, it's a scary concept. I'd I'd love to flick to the the positive side of the equation then and get your thoughts on you know alternative options that that can seriously start to relieve the rental crisis. What are your thoughts there, mate? Well, there is no short fix. This this horrible mess we've been talking about didn't happen overnight, and it definitely can't be fixed overnight. Yeah. It won't start to improve until the actions that caused it improved. Yeah. The question I've been asked a lot as I've been commenting on the rental crisis the last few years is. You know, when, when will it end and, and, you know, what will it look like? Um, well, it won't end until the behaviours change. Yeah. So the current behaviours, we've just been talking about one. Where, where are governments have caused this. Where are governments headed at the moment? State, federal and local. Where are they at the moment? Doing the same things. Rental freeze is just one. Yeah. Queensland state government, oh, let's, let's um, do, bring in a catch-all land tax that catches all states, right? So that's, that's, that's another. Um, we've got a new federal government. There's been nothing there that they've uh, announced to help increase rental supply. Yeah. Nothing. So, yeah. Um, what, you know, governments aren't doing anything. What is the solution? Well, there is no solution until the government policies change, mate. There yeah. is no, there is yeah. no solution. And as you said, it's all about supply side. That, that's the issue. All the other stuff is just tinkering with the edges without, it's sort of doing something without actually doing anything. So uh, very interesting situation. We'll, we'll get you back on to talk about this further because it's, it's, it's going to get worse before it gets better. There's no question about that. But I really want to thank you for sharing your wisdom on the subject today, Simon. And thanks again for your time on the show today. My pleasure. Thanks, Bushy. Thanks, mate. 
Well, there's no doubt that a burgeoning rental crisis is unfolding right across the country that's likely to produce actually quite fertile turf for cash flow focused investors. But like everything in the complex and dynamic world of property, simple, uneducated knee-jerk fixes like the Greens rent freeze proposal aren't the answer. And if you want to get the real facts and real solutions from proven property performers who actually live, eat and breathe property, reach out to Simon and his team at propertyology.com.au. Keep watching Realty Talk, your go-to place for all things property. Successful property investment is a game of finance. Do you have the right team and the right game plan? Realty Talk is brought to you by Know How Property. More than mortgage brokers, Bushy Martin and his team of investment architects set you up with a sustainable strategy structured to lower your costs, tax, risk and stress while increasing your capacity for growth. Know How has helped over 1,900 homeowners and investors secure more than $800 million in property wealth. So get set to live more, work less, and live your legacy. Want to know how to invest in your freedom? Visit knowhowproperty.com.au. Hi, and welcome. Now, it doesn't matter where you turn to at the moment, it seems our ears and eyes are filled with the looming threat of interest rate rises and the debilitate, I can't even say it, the debilitating impact that this is having on our home loan repayments and our money's remaining to spend or contribute to other things as costs continue to rise. So where are interest rates likely to go and what can you do to keep your spending, saving and your investment plans on track? Well, to discuss this, we're joined by Helen Baker, the founder of well-known financial advisory, On Your Own Two Feet. And she's also author of two books of the same name, one on financial independence and the other focusing on divorce. So welcome to Realty Talk, Helen. Hi. <laughs> Great to have you on. Uh, we had a, a great chat together some time back on the Long Form Get Invested podcast. So looking forward to getting into the, the subject with you today. So to sort of kick that off, what's your read on how high rates how high rates are likely to rise over what period as you see it? Yeah, well, I actually forecast this incorrectly previously. I didn't think they would have gone as quickly and as hard as they have. So that was a bit of a shocker. Um, yeah. And personally, I'd prefer if they don't raise them much at all because I've still got investment mortgages myself. So, <laughs> yeah, but that aside, look, you look out there at the moment, fixed rates are looking at 6 7 8%, and that's because banks are scrambling to get extra money back in. They're trying to deter you from fixing your rates because they've borrowed money at, at uh, historical lows and then now... Uh, are trying to pay back at higher rates. So yep. I do think it's probably going to increase, but we've got the other side of it, which is if they go too hard, they risk really causing a housing crisis. We've got a lot of other problems around trying to make people build more properties and, and grow those properties. So they've got a little bit of a problem, I think, with how they manage it going forward. Yeah, I, I think uh, I can understand why they're raising rights because we're just getting back to where we were pre-COVID. Uh, it might be a little bit more, that'll still be low, lower than the, the long-term average. So, uh, and I think we're reasonably well-placed with uh, what most Australians have been doing as a response to COVID over the last two years. But tell me, uh, what effect do you think this is having on discretionary spending and savings as as we move forward then, Helen? 
Well, I think a lot of people are feeling the squeeze. You know, obviously people will be feeling it more than others if they bought in the height of the market and they've got massive mortgages and they were squeezed to get there to start with, then that's going to create a problem. But I think on the other side of the coin, a lot of people were quite cautious or diligent when the interest rates were down. So a lot of people have got backup that they've built in their savings, in their offset accounts or in their redraw. So I think they're feeling a little bit comfortable and obviously jobs are still in high demand. We still can't fill a lot of jobs. So I think until that becomes more pressured and things change around that, I think it'll be okay. But I do think people are being more cautious. They are aware that things can change and significant changes happen with even like 0.25 or 0.5 that can impact seriously. So people are just pulling back a little thing and, and having a look and being more cautious. Yeah, and no, I good call. I, I uh, had a read of some RP, RPA, uh, Reserve Bank of Australia data recently that suggested that uh, through the course of COVID, Australians have, have saved a bit over $260 billion and a lot of uh, home loaners are two years ahead in relation to their repayments. So we're we're in, in pretty good shape as far as that goes. But but tell me, uh, you know, sort of extend that a bit further. What impact are rising rates and repayments having on investment plans and contributions in that area? Yeah, so I think, again, we, if we tie this up with, you know, the cost of borrowing versus where do we get our income from? So if it's property, you know, the rental income that comes from that, people have seen significant increases in their rents because of this demand for property, particularly with floods and other things that have happened in people's world. So um, there's been probably an increase in income. Mind you, rents have been very low for a very long time So and, and costs have risen. So that's still a bit tight. From an investment into something like a managed fund or a share, you know, the dividends were paying maybe 3%, for example, and then you were paying perhaps less than that in terms of what your interest rate was. So those changes have happened. Um, so now you've got a question, is it still appropriate for me to have this investment Obviously, we don't want to see people crash what they've uh, done with their investments. There's nothing much more painful than going through the heartache of having to sell something that you've already been diligent with. So I think people need to be wise and revisit what their plans are, um, make sure we don't get in over our head and think long term rather than short term. Well, just so extending on that a little bit, what, what can everyday hardworking Aussies do to ensure that their investment plans remain on track? Yeah, don't panic is the first thing. Don't panic. Um, I think you've got to look at how you retain those investments because things will move around. You know, again, back from the heights of the property market, some people feel if they had to sell right now, it would still be under what they initially paid. So if you didn't buy in the height, it's probably a different story. But I think, you know, we're looking at retaining investments for long term to provide us with income. So trying to manage the whole plan, go back, uh, revisit what your plan is, don't take notice from the influencers, really think about what is appropriate for you. If you were fortunate enough to lock in a fixed rate at the low, great, enjoy that for a little while longer, but then you need to start getting on the front foot with your mortgage broker or whoever you work with to get the best deal going forward. Again, try, you know, interest only, make it sort of a uh, only if you have to really, you know, if that's the right strategy for you, because paying principal and interest off will do you, even though these rates are increasing, as you said before, they're still pretty low compared to where they were. So, you know, pounding away at that and the luxury back to that bit of where we've got redraw, we've paid a lot more off. If you do have to refinance your loan, 
you're probably doing it on a smaller amount right now, which might make everything a little bit easier. So there is a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of fear and the media does love a lot of fear, but you have to step back from that and think logically about what's right. Obviously make sure those five foundations are in place that I talk about because that looks at health and insurance and estate planning around anything that might change around those as well. So do the best that you can to get all your ducks in a row and then keep them that way. Yeah, very sage and wise advice there, Helen. So I really want to appreciate you coming on to share these timely reminders and, and thanks for your time on the show today. Thank you. Thanks, Helen. Well, as you've heard, rising rates aren't a reason to abandon or shrink your investment plans. And if you want to find out more from Helen, feel free to reach out via onyourowntwofeet.com.au where you can also grab copies of her awesome books. Stay with us for more here on Realty Talk. Now, before I leave you, I just wanted to reinforce a couple of key points from today's show. Firstly, remember that regardless of conditions, there are always property opportunities if you know where to look. Because it's never about when, it's always about where. Secondly, if governments at all levels are serious about the rental crisis, housing affordability, and a host of other associated property issues, they're all going to need to get serious about committing to long-term housing supply instead of just wiping their hands and making it a private sector issue or relying on knee-jerk demand-side schemes that only actually go to worsen housing issues. Well, that's another wrap for this week's show. Another big thanks to our guests, Arjun Paliwell, Simon Presley and Helen Baker. And to make sure you don't miss another episode of your trusted voice for all things property, subscribe to Property Hub on your favourite podcast player, where you'll also get to enjoy the Get Invested podcast delivered to you each and every week. And make sure you sign up on the realty.com.au homepage to get a free copy of my award-winning book, Get Invested. And while you're there, make sure you check out one of Australia's most extensive range of properties for sale from over 7,000 agents nationally, where you'll even get to find properties that aren't listed anywhere else. Thanks again to realty.com.au BMT Tax Depreciation, Apiro Marketing, and DM Media for their ongoing support. I'm Bushy Martin from Know How Property Finance. Remember to always get invested, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Miss something in this week's show or want to catch up on past shows? Do it anytime at realty.com.au, where we connect buyers, sellers, and agents differently. 